Q&A Holes Podcast presents The Sea Report for Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Sea Report from Q&A Holes Podcast for March 10th, 2021. That is a Wednesday. My name is Mr. C, and I am your host for this evening's news, and I hope everyone is having a good evening indeed. All right, so let's go ahead and get straight to the stories for today. We have a pretty good little lineup for you, of course, keeping uh, the goings-ons of all of the uh, Washington and, uh, I guess, the former theater that we all witnessed all of us avid moviegoers munching out on our popcorn and our snacks. I told you all to bring your snacks, and uh, I hope you brought some extra snacks because the show's not over yet. Uh, but let's see, in some of our latest news in regards to uh, the man himself, President Donald Trump, it seems that a judge has just dismissed his case uh, which was a campaign lawsuit against the New York Times. Uh, so if you'll remember, um, uh, based on the grounds of this Russia collusion narrative that the New York Times um, uh, wrote this story on, uh, there was a uh, libel lawsuit that was filed um, by President Trump or by his lawyer team. Uh, let's see what this um, article by Jack Phillips has to say. A judge on Tuesday dismissed a defamation lawsuit from the campaign of former President Donald Trump against the New York Times over its 2019 opinion article, The Real Trump Russia Quid Pro Quo. New York Judge James DeAugust allowed the New York Times to dismiss the lawsuit on Tuesday, which had sought millions in damages. Max Frankel, the former executive editor of the paper, alleged an opinion piece that Trump had an overarching deal with Russian President Vladimir Putin's oligarchy during the 2016 election. The article was seemingly part of a continuous media-driven campaign to tie Trump to Putin. However, in 2019, former special counsel Robert Mueller found that Trump's campaign did not collaborate with Moscow after a months-long investigation. D'August, a Democrat, provided three reasons why the suit should be dismissed. First, he said, the opinion article was non-actionable opinion, and he made note of the overall context in which the article was published in the opinion section of the newspaper. Second, the challenge statements are not of and concerning plaintiff, which is a necessary element for a defamation action, he wrote, adding, Further, a corporate entity has no standing to sue over statements that concern an entity's employees or affiliates, but not the entity itself. In elaborating, the judge said Frankel's column was about Trump's family members and associates, not about the campaign itself. Nah, it kind of sounds to me here like uh, it was a parody or it was just uh, some kind of made up story that they can backpedal on now in uh, the post-application uh, of everything that they did. <clears throat> the article goes on, Third, even if Frank, Mr. Markell's, uh, sorry, Mr. Frankhell's commentary was actionable as factual assertions, 
And even if such assertions were of and concerning the Trump campaign, the complaint fails to allege facts sufficient to support the requirement that the Times published the challenge statement with actual malice, according to the August's ruling. And I would say maybe he's right on that, that issue. Maybe it is hard for you to prove malice on the part of one entity when the entire world is picking and bullying one individual, right? How could you single out the New York Times for malice when everyone else is doing it? Yeah. All right. Uh, article concludes. The director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, this week said that former U.S. attorney John Durham, who was leading a probe into the origins of the Trump-Russia probe within the FBI and Department of Justice, agreed there was no intelligence that Trump or his campaign colluded with the Kremlin. Of course. Uh, and, and, you know, Trump also sued CNN. There was a similar lawsuit there and also with the Washington Post. But also in those cases, those um, those lawsuits were dismissed. I guess it's because if you're a public figure, you have to eat it up, right? Um Last summer, we went over the intelligence and we all unanimously agreed that there was no intelligence from the intelligence community that reflected actual, real Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. But there was intelligence that it was created by the Hillary Clinton campaign and that there was no proper predicate for crossfire hurricane to begin. Those are the words of uh, DNI Ratcliffe, excuse me. Um, who was a Trump appointee, and he did say that live and in person. And, you know, I can't believe that you can have a reputable indiv individual, and this really should not play into politics when you think about it, because, after all, this is an investigation that's supposed to be out of outside of partisanship. And you have a reputable individual like D&I Ratcliffe, and I'm not saying he's reputable because he's a good guy. I'm saying if everyone were to be, uh, you know, pro-American, uh, not sold out or communists in the closet, um, in an idealistic world, these people would all be reputable, right? That's why they're elected in the first place, right? Okay. So that's why I'm saying about Ratcliffe. He's supposed to be a reputable man, and I do believe he is personally, but he can get on TV and make this kind of statement, and there's not a ripple in the wind. There's not a drop in the pond. I mean, no one cares that he said this. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm preaching to the choir here because after all, um, we all see that. But of course, all of the Democrats and all of the liberals and everyone else that listens to, you know, the news every day, they don't see this. So, but yep, yeah, you know, they have no evidence of Russian collusion. They do have evidence that Hillary is the one who made up the whole damn thing. And then, of course, they also have some evidence that uh, Barack Obama sold uranium to Russia as well, which is another type of collusion all to itself. But either way, the judges have now dismissed uh, President Trump's lawsuit against the New York Times in this regard. Oh, I shrank my screen. Oh, no, everything went black. All right. Yeah. And then I was also kind of, I got to make sure I got all my stuff set up and going here before I get too into the flow. You know what I mean? So uh, let's see. Mm, bam. All right. Okay. So let's see what we got up next. Uh, we're just done here. Just a little update there on Mr. Tramp. 
Okay, so this one actually we have some video for this one. Um, it is shocking video, uh, and this video is by um, an individual by the name of Ben Bergquam, if I'm saying that right. Um, and it shows Mexican cartels caught operating in plain sight on the United States border following Biden's insane open border policy. I mean, basically, this is the Biden doctrine is open borders for all and um, money to everyone unless you were born in said country of repute. So, uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is video that comes from um, Bannon's war room pandemic. So uh, I guess it's one of the individuals or the reporters that is associated with his group. Joe Biden, his handlers, and Kamala Harris opened the United States southern borders immediately following the inauguration on January, which is pretty much true. Uh, the state of Texas is doing everything it can to fight it, and I can only pray for California, Nevada, and Arizona. I don't feel it with their governors over there. The Mexican cartels, of course, were thrilled with the developments. Everyone was thrilled, especially the cartels, especially the... Uh, um, what do you call it? The adrenochrome harvesters. They're like, we're back in business, boys. They're like our, they're, they were like our biggest patron is now the president of the United States of America. Anyways, Ben Bergquam of Real America's Voice shared exclusive footage of cartels running at the United States southern border on War Room just yesterday on Tuesday. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of this video. See what they got here for us. This could be tasty. Not sure if he's going to jump or if he's a lookout. Let's see. This guy's really thinking about it behind me. He keeps pacing back and forth right up there. So if you are on the uh, podcast right now over off speaker side or whatever podcast player you listen to, uh, the video is showing basically uh, it looks like, um, you know, wasteland, border land. I don't know. There's like a building and a lot of mountainous and dusty areas. And he is filming from afar. It looks like they are doing some type of surveillance, looking at individuals, contemplating taking the jump, jumping across to the United States of America. Huge operation and all run by the cartels. As I was coming up, one of the guys that was about to jump, got a backpack on. He's actually right up uh, just off my left shoulder up by the monument there, bent down, sitting down. I've got scouts across the, the way over here, kind of watching what we're doing. It's a very dangerous place. Got another scout right across sight on one point, but right behind my left shoulder on the other hill over there. He's watching. Got scouts in the buildings all behind me, sitting behind the walls watching. And what they do is they say, hey, we can get you across if you don't have the money to go. Um, just take this backpack for us. And they come up here, or any of the thousand points along the way, they have lookouts that are watching for them. They give them the signal when to go, and then they go. In this place, thankfully, President Trump did a double wall section here because it's so notorious for traffic. And this guy's back up, he's looking, just waiting for his chance, it's time to go. 
right, it's my time to go now because this just gets really dangerous. He's right there at the top. So he's got that one place to jump and you think, oh, it's a double wall. There's a wall on the other side, right? Except the gate's open. So all he has to do is jump there, run through that gate, down the mountain. He's in America. Okay, so I'm going to narrate a little bit now. I'm pausing it just quick again for this, the the uh, Spreaker audience and the, the uh, podcast audience. What we've just seen is the cameraman, the reporter, filming, I guess, uh, drug mules who are going to climb the new and improved wall or fence. I guess this is an area where it's not as steep. Um, and uh, if they get uh, across it, now this is a double fence system. We've heard that they built some of these systems so that this way um, the uh, uh, ICE or the Border Patrol agents can uh, use their cars between the two fences. So it's not just a mechanism for them to provide like a double you know, type of booby trap or a double type of uh, obstacle for these, uh, these uh, illegal crossers to get into the country. Um, it's also so this way they can they can drive and um, uh, move between the border wall and uh, have that space, you know. And then, of course, if you haven't seen the construction of the Trump border wall, it is not a solid fence or gate. It is actually metal slats uh, because the uh, Border Patrol agents... Um, and the uh, personnel working down on the border had told them that they had an issue with, um, you know, uh, cartel members or what have you throwing things over the walls where they couldn't see. And sometimes they were like bags of bricks, rocks, agents would get hurt, uh, stuff like that. So they made them a uh, slats. So this way they could see through them, of course, that steel gets extremely hot in the sun on the southern border. Uh, so that's another deterrent to keep people from crossing or jumping or climbing over it. But apparently in this one, if you as you may as you were listening, uh, this one, it's showing individuals who are taking this. And of course, uh, whatever reason it is that they have for getting involved with the cartel. But what's most interesting, and this is where we did the freeze frame, is that on the other side, on the secondary wall that was built in this particular place, there is a gate with a road. Because I told you this secondary, this this secondary gate that provides us a roadway for them to use their cars to kind of see what people want to do patrols within the safety of this double walled, like you know, corridor. And, and to move things and whatever, whatever they need to do, that's, it's not just, like I said, a double obstacle. It's actually something that they use. Um, but this, and so this gate is open, the gate that they would use to let their cars in and out. So the United States of America, this is symbolic. This is so symbolic of what President Select Illegitimate Joe Biden is doing to America. He has left the doors open. He's left the gate open literally left the gate open that Donald Trump president 45 left in order to keep or to control, I should say, illegal immigration. Um, it's insane. It's just insane. Anyways, let's continue. America. This is a battle for the future of our country. This is the front line of the battle. And Democrats, Joe Biden, and the left are aiding and abetting the enemy.
Okay, that's uh, Ben Burkwam live, Raheem. No, I mean wow, by the way, and that is incredibly dangerous work. So thank you to Ben. For yeah, that. yeah, for our radio and podcast audience, there's extraordinary footage right there from the border, Ben. Okay, so now you're hearing the voice of Steve Bannon and crew from the War Room pandemic. We'll only play a little bit of this. Uh, that, but that's not the that is an issue, but that's not the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem is the cartels bringing up mass groups of people, right, consistently day in and day out, where they're monetizing this. As you saw from the car crash that happened the other day, we had twenty five jammed into an SUV, right? The, 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 it, it, what, what it's all part in the it's, village. It's, it's all, it's all part of it, Steve, it's, and it's all controlled. The whole point is it's all controlled by the cartels, uh, and it's funded, as Congressman Gates said, by America. This is the sickening part about this. We are funding it through NGOs, through these organizations, American organizations in Mexico, Central America, Latin America, and South America that are training people on how to break into our country and, and avoid uh, being, being caught. And in fact, uh, working with cartels, because the only way that you get people across is by working with the cartels. We have people down, organizations down in Mexico now, working with the cartels to get people across. And yes, the the, 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 the problem with these large groups of people that are being trafficked by the cartels, the only way that they get across these sections of Mexico is by paying the cartels off because cartels control it, is uh, this is a distraction from everything else. Their, their primary mechanism of funding, and like you said, uh, their monetization now is drug trafficking, and really now it's human trafficking because there's, there's, it's a, uh, there's, no, there, there's no loss to them. If they lose the people, so what? They don't get, you know, they, they still got paid, uh, and they just lost a, you know, some, a, a worker for them for a few months. This is, uh, but it's going on across the entire border. Now, what you see here, the reason this is so important is a lot of the people that are doing this traffic, a lot of the people that are, are being sent over this way, and this is one guy, a lot of times you'll see 10 people at a time, uh, 20 people, but thank God there's a wall there because where there's no wall, that's where you see 1,000 people at a time. But this is, they'll go into these camps, and I've got exclusive interview that we're going to be airing uh, where the, uh, the, the people at the tent city in Tijuana said cartels come in at night, they take the children, they take the people. One guy was shot in the head uh, just a few nights ago, and they were told if they talk to the police, they're going to be next. They take these people, they say, we'll get you across the border. Once they get them, they say, carry this backpack for us, or once you get across, you're going to go to work for us. Little do they know a lot of these people, and like you said, they're, they're coming here uh, from desperate situations. Little do they know that they're going to be sold into a life of sex trafficking. It is It is... The crime of our generation, and it is being funded by the American government and by the left in America, and, and by, as you mentioned, some big corporations, even some Republicans who like the cheap labor. All of this, uh, it's all connected. It's all connected, Steve. It's absolutely all connected, Ben, and it's absolutely sickening. And when I read that it's article sickening. from CNN about 100,000 coming in across our southern border over the past four weeks and when i see footage like yours and when i hear about what's going on at the border i just feel overwhelmed and i think so many americans are just so sickened they feel like this is an illegitimate regime now that is running our country and that they've opened the floodgates of illegal immigration into our country and what we're seeing is this entire crisis on a massive scale created by joe biden and kamala harris uh, all driven by a globalist agenda, which I see as being hell-bent on crushing and destroying the middle class 
of America as well as our values and what our country stands for. And uh, with Steve's permission, I sure. wanted to read a, uh, this is quite a long quote, but I think it is so important. This is a quote from Joe Biden, which he made in 2015. And these were opening remarks at a two-day summit to address violent extremism and terrorism. And um, I'm just gonna read a few sections of his opening remarks there. So in 2015, Biden gushed that the USA has an advantage unlike any other country in the world, and that's that an unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who are Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a source of our strength. It's not that we're merely a melting pot, but we're proud to be a melting pot. Inclusion counts. Let me say that again. Inclusion counts. Inclusion counts. And the wave still continues. It's not going to stop, nor should we want it to stop. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things I think people can be most proud of. And I just, I hear that, I read that, and my heart and my stomach drops because the wave's not going to stop under Joe Biden and this leftist agenda to <laughs> completely overwhelm Americans and our values and what we stand for. And I see this as a peaceful invasion of our country and our values and our culture. But the, pro the problem is that the burden of that goes on to working class Hispanics. Remember, it goes the, on the, to all the, Americans, the, the American citizens. all Americans, the, the, the great, uh, the great uh, thing of President Trump's MAGA movement. And this is why in the Rio Grande Valley, we had such extraordinary, extraordinary results from working class Hispanics in the most heavily Hispanic districts in this country. And this is why the two Democratic congressmen down there are very worried in South Texas, because the, the working class Hispanics and African Americans understand that this open borders, there's one thing about immigration, and I'm for uh, re restricting immigration until people get opportunities in Silicon Valley, etc. But this open borders, illegal immigration is there. The burdens on the people coming up are the ones victimized by the cartels. And then on the other side of the border, the people victimized are working class Hispanics and African Americans. Congressman Gates. I agree with you that immigration can be a great strength in our country. We want to have the ambition edge on the world. But what we are seeing at the southern border right now is the opposite of a system that puts our workers and our people first. Uh, there's always been a tenuous relationship between Hispanics and Joe Biden. Remember in the primary, Bernie Sanders had coalesced a lot of the Hispanic vote and Biden had coalesced the African-American vote and, and that's why he ultimately prevailed. But you have to wonder, is there like a domestic political play here? Obviously, today's caravan crossers are 2020's voters in states like California and Nevada, where we're seeing more and more illegal immigration tolerated. 2024 in the voters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 2024 and yeah. 2022. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, I don't think it'll take them that long. Uh, and I wonder whether or not, you know, this is Biden trying to shore up an area of weakness. Yeah, well, but I don't think Democrats care about the people that are coming across the southern border. They see them as future voters. They don't care about the humanitarian crisis. They don't care that women and children are being abused. I mean, Steve, when we were down at the border, they were telling us how many children come across. Young women, you know, 12 to 14 years old, Terrible. who had been raped multiple times. Terrible. It's it's absolutely so, sick. So, Ben, what are you seeing if down in the camps or right in Tijuana? What are you seeing down there with what the cartel activity is? 
Well, a couple things. Uh, one is they're using children. They're sending the children across. Often we've got confirmation that uh, children are being sent without the parents in, uh, because they've been trained. You send the child across first, and then you come in after them. Uh, one thing to Midge's point, and I, I'm heading back to Yuma. And one of the worst places I've been in this country is uh, at the border of Yuma, Arizona, where I found uh, clothing laid out, children's panties, lubricant, and condoms laid out where, they, where they've just clearly been assaulted right before they come and, and turn themselves in. And this was on American soil. I'm going to be heading back to that location on Thursday. This is, they, they try to paint Republicans as not being... What is the border? Okay, but what is, uh, if, if these are areas, that's where, that's where we built the wall in El Paso. If that's an area, what, what's a, is the Border Patrol got extra special? And by the way, the men and women of the Border Patrol are unbelievable. But are they putting special, uh, is a special focus on that area that you were down in Yuma and saw that? Is that an area that they're, they're putting tiger teams or, or people down there 24-7 to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, uh, this is one of those areas that was a priority for President Trump. The wall got built there, and that, that activity across the border stopped, in the American soil stopped. Now, it's still going on everywhere else uh, on the Mexico side, but uh, that, that's the, the proof that walls work is you go to the sections where the walls are and you talk to Border Patrol. We'll be going back down there, and they say it. The, the activity stops here. All they do now, though, is they go six miles down the road, and that's where the 1,000 people come across and, and that's where, again, you've got Border Patrol telling that the job one should third, be easier, minimum though, of one third of these children. It, it, it should be. It should. Be, yes. The, the more wall it we should have, be easier because, I mean, Trump built 400 miles of wall. There's 400 miles of wall there now that there wasn't and, before. And Normandy fence and so mega wall. Exactly. Yeah, I've been there. Yep, to Yuma, absolutely. The, absolutely. The vehicle yep. barriers that they had weren't wall. Right. Now it's wall. So oh. what that means is you're going to have people concentrated yeah. in other areas. And what's going to happen there? What troubles right. me is that we're already seeing Biden start to repurpose border security, border patrol money for welcome centers in those areas that are likely to yep. see high concentrations of people so that they can process them into a catch and release program as fast as possible. So adding more Border Patrol agents and more Border Patrol people will not help in those areas of concentrated activity if the policy is simply to collect the people there and to redistribute them throughout the country. Oh, you just right. talk with and amen, Mr. Matt Gatz on that. And we'll have to end it there. I mean, we're not getting paid here to do this but you know i don't know bannon might be like hey i mean why not just go see my show if you're gonna play the whole clip michael i mean mr c anyway so anyway so <laughs> but yeah no i mean so true and like i said the entire issue with um the border is gonna be one of i think the keystone issues that they'll use against joe biden when the time comes lock and load them ammunition style uh this is one of those key issues um i think and it's and it's it's not so much because it hasn't been an issue in the past um it's more so because the, the problem is so glaring with the changes that the trump administration made with the immigration policy with the border wall with the um um foreign policy implemented with you know the likes of like mexico and other central and south american countries because let's face it we have these people coming all the way from honduras and all the way from belize and all and and that's in south america or we're not even yeah we're not even talking central south america yeah 
No, that's Central America. My bad. But, you know, we do have some people coming up from Colombia and Brazil. Let me redeem myself a little bit here. But, you know, um, the, the point of the matter is that the, he, still, he still worked in, in tandem with the rest of the Central and South American countries to form a type of um, immigration policy that not only was, um, um, was only beneficial for the citizens of our country, but also to help those in other countries so as not to endanger their lives. Because what is the number one theme that we see running through this entire conversation? We have the cartel who's being active on the southern border. And when Biden was optically admitted into office, they went into overdrive and they're sending people like this is broad daylight. But then again, the doors open. So, I mean, why not come on inside? You know, like the door is open. Biden has left the door open for illegal immigration and the cartel to do their dirty work in America. And the thing that gets me the most, you know, is the human trafficking issue. Like, this is an issue, this is like human trafficking to me, and I know you don't come here to hear about what I think, you come here to hear the news, but human trafficking to me is one of those issues, it's a root issue, it's like the Federal Reserve and fiat currency and central banking, these are root issues, you take care of these root problems and you stem a lot of the blood flow uh, in regard to, you know, money flow for the black hats, where this money flow and what this industry is, what they're using human trafficking for. Do you think it's just for sex? I think we're learning more and more. And if you paid attention to anything in the last four years from the Podesta emails on up through Pedowood and Pedogate, that you have this entire uh, arrangement um, that has to do with more than just the use of the human body for sex and power, but for other darker initiatives that we will not get into the sea report at this time. But if you've been paying attention, dear listener and dear viewer, you know exactly what I am talking about. But yes, and that's why I was of an ultimate brava one hand clap for President Trump because, because my hands are tied, but no, but because, um, when when he stopped when he when he built the wall he stopped human trafficking just like they said just like this uh this uh, Ben Bergquam said when he went down to Yuma and he talked to the border patrol agents along the area where the wall was built they said that activity ceased in other words he's not going to go find a pair of child's panties and some lubricant where that wall is at this time and that's disgusting um, and I, and I say that because that, that visual should draw a very stark and polarizing feeling inside of you. And, and that is that this is the kind of activity that we're talking about. Like people don't think, or I don't know, people just, it's ugly. And that's why people don't think about it, but it's, 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 we, it's time we put on our big boy panties and we learn to deal with this so that we can deal with it. And I think that um, an administration like President Trump's, who turned the lights on in instances for many Americans and people worldwide, um, I think it's, it's, it's administrations like that that have uh, really shown us 
that we can wear those big boy panties and we can turn things around. What's next? Oh, oh wait. That story's not coming up till later. This story's next. All right. Okay, let's move right along, guys. House passes Biden's 1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. And you're probably saying like, wait, I thought they passed this relief package like a week ago. What the heck's going on here? Am I getting my stimulus money? Are they really funding sexual surgeries in Afghanistan? Tell us. We want to know. Well, this is actually a revised version of the 1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. So it went forward, it got reviewed, it got audited, it got edited, it went back, it went and now it went to the desk and the house is, the house is now <coughs> approved the edited version. And as uh, any of the uh, future articles will indicate, the edited version still does include a lot of the pig pork that was placed there by the Democrats. Because after all, the last uh, year and a half with the uh, COVID-19 shamdemic, plandemic, coronavirus, control virus going on, Trump was like, you know what, guys? You don't need to shut down your cities. This is ridiculous. We have hydroxychloroquine. We can wash our hands. It's a flu. You're mismanaging your cities and your states by closing down your businesses, by making it impossible for the economy to, you know, grow, plateau. So um, now they're bailing themselves out. That's basically what this $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package is. A big old bailout to the ill-managed states during this entire COVID-19 pandemic, Clap, clap, clap. Give yourself a big old pat on the back there because you did it. You were able to uh, scheme America, America, and pay yourself in the process. Oh, Zachary Stiber says, the House representatives on Wednesday passed the updated version of President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. The House passed a version of the bill late last month, followed by the Senate on March 4th. But the upper chamber removed the $15 federal minimum wage hike and changed other provisions, such as decreasing weekly supplemental unemployment aid by $100 to $300 a week. No Republicans supported the package in either vote. Biden plans on signing the bill on Friday and hitting the road in the near future to try to convince Americans the package was a good idea, according to the White House. Press Secretary Jen Circleback Saki, during a press conference in Washington, called it the most progressive bill in American history. Progressive is right. You know the thing about it is with Circleback Saki? That hoe, that hoe's the kind of bitch that would be like, but Circleback Saki's kind of cool. You know why? Because she's one of those uh, Stockholm Syndrome types. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh my God, I'm such a victim. Yay! <laughs> You're a victim! You're a victim! You're a victim! Circleback Saki. All right, let's go, girl. Okay, so, <clears throat> if I talk feminine, it's because I'm gay. Anyways, Democrats 
utilize a budget process to ram the package through con- ram the package through Congress <laughs> with no bipartisan support, drawing criticism from the GOP. Ooh, I, I, I swear to you, I looked and looked and looked and looked. I looked far and wide for... I'm going to try and find this woman now. I looked far and wide for a video of this uh, speech. Did I not get it? Oh my God. Where is it? Okay. Well, I looked far and wide for a video of this speech that this representative gave in response to this COVID-19 relief. And really, it's nothing that we haven't heard before. We, we, you know, it's just, it's nice to kind of shine a spotlight on the people who are fighting for us because not, no one's fighting for us, but like seven to 15 at the most representatives in the House and the Senate for Americans. So when someone says something nice, you know, it's, it's like, let's, let's shine a little spotlight on this person here because they said something nice about America. They, they're trying to help their constituents. But no, um, actually, I, I dug a little bit on this individual and it seems like this individual has been trying to help. I don't know. If I dig a little bit deeper, maybe I'll find a little bit of dirt that, uh, you know, people be like, see, I told you. Uh, but anyways, uh, I thought I had a picture of her I could not find the video of her quote because, you know, I was like, ooh, this is a meaty and full quote. Let's go ahead and try and find the video so I can, you know, kind of switch it up a little bit for my audience up here. But uh, there was no such video. So I guess, uh, I guess, I guess when it came to any type of rebuttal in regards to the $1.9 trillion pig pork bailout package... Um, C-SPAN was not allowed to air on YouTube. YouTube's like, nope, we're cutting, we're cutting you out because, uh, after all, we don't need people to know the truth about anything. All right. This is the woman here. Her name is, boom, boom, boom. She kind of looks like Meryl Streep and I don't like Meryl Streep anymore. Like I said, I am a gay man. But um, where is my screen? Sorry, y'all. I'm trying to find my screen. Um, As I was saying, she kind of looks like Meryl Streep. But no, 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 no. Uh, This is a representative. This is a representative, Anne Wagner. So she basically said what all of us talking heads have been saying for the last, I don't know, since they tried to pass this $1.9 trillion pig pork spending package. And why is Mary Ann, uh, Mary Ann, why is Ann Wagner talking about this now? Because in case you hadn't noticed, even the lowliest and humblest little podcasts are about three weeks to six months ahead of the news and representatives. Go figure. Um, Representative Anna Wagner of Missouri, Republican, said, I rise in opposition to the bipartisan... I wish I had the talking lips that Mr. W has here. (laughs) I rise in opposition to the bipartisan $1.9 spending bill before us today. It's shameful Democrats have disregarded their obligation to provide real COVID relief to the American people and are instead attempting to use this process to jam through partisan agenda items. 
This bill is not targeted, timely, or tied to COVID. Nice alliteration. We need consonants. We need to focus on solving the critical issues at hand. Getting vaccines to Americans. Providing relief to our local businesses, restaurants, and entertainment venues. And supporting those who have been seriously impacted by this pandemic. And forming an educational system that will give awareness to the American people that the COVID-19 vaccine is generated just to make you believe that you are getting healed against a flu that's pretty common but deadly against people that might have outstanding health issues. No, just kidding. She didn't say that. Um, She did say, however, only... 9% of this massive 1.9 trillion package goes to fighting COVID-19. And outside of stimulus payments, nearly half won't even be spent this year. So what is the point, you might ask, whenever you hear these words of Ann Wagner of Missouri? What is the point? And indeed, the truth is, what is the point? I mean, from our previous uh, COVID relief package, we still have like what? A billion dollars, a few tri- a few million dollars, hundreds of million dollars are still sitting and have not been spent. Why couldn't they, oh, I don't know, maybe release those funds to the American people since they haven't used them yet? And then this way, they could, you know, use whatever money they're using now to go towards what they had planned to use for the past one that's still waiting to be planned. What if they double up? Damn, I wish it was one of those organizations that receiving some COVID funds. But let's see, in fact, what this bill actually is going to be putting money into. I know you're interested, America. Actually, America's saying, how much money am I getting, Mr. C? How much money is they going to be sending to me? Well, America, let's find out. This article uh, from the Daily Caller says Biden's 1.9 trillion stem- stimulus plan. Here's what's in it: uh, stimulus checks. Okay, America, we're gonna tell you about the stimulus checks first, because after all, America, that's what you want to know about. You don't care about the extra pork that is in this bill. So I guess after I read about your stimulus checks, you can change the channel. Don't change that station. Because we still got a lot of news coming up on the seat report. Stimulus checks. Individuals making less than $75,000 a year. So like me and all my friends. uh, Will be eligible for a $1,400 stimulus check. Oh, Bali. While married couples making less than $150,000. That's me and all my kin. Will be eligible for a $2,800,000. Wait, $2,800. Whoa, 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 Mr. C. $2,800 stimulus check. The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a Republican watchdog group monitoring fiscal issues, estimates that stimulus checks will cost $422 billion out of $1.9 trillion. Okay. This is the most expensive provision within the American Rescue Plan. Oh, 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 excuse me that the one group known as the American population 
is going to be the most expensive provision. Oh, excuse me. As if though $1.9 trillion were going to the American people and not $422 billion. Wouldn't it be nice if they gave us $1.9 trillion divvied up between the American people? Can you imagine what we could do? I don't know. I, I mean, I know we would buy the Q&A holes, Mr. Whitechopper. I mean, that's a given. Buy CNN. Make it the Q&A holes network. Anyways, let's see what else is in this here pig pork bailout package. State and local bailouts. What did we say? California, Portland. Uh, Portland's not a state. Oregon, Wisconsin. Michigan, Washington, you have such terrible governors and such horrible representatives for, for the most part. I mean, I mean, come on. This is all Nancy Pelosi-led, right? I mean, come on. She wanted, what, like, all this money to go to her city of San Francisco so they could build a monorail? So this way they could bypass all the freaking homeless camps? On the fucking, excuse me, on the floor. Like, that's what they wanted the monorail for. That's what they, they're like, we need, uh, we need uh, uh, an elevated monorail so that we can get where we need to go without having to step in the riffraff on the bottom floor, said Hoods Pelosi. I'm calling her Hoods Pelosi from now on. If Donald Trump, our dear president, wants to get real gangsta, what did he call Pelosi before? Skeletor Pelosi? No, I don't know. Uh, someone type it in the box. <laughs> I know it was crying, crying Chuck Schumer, uh, Sleepy Joe, because he was he uh, President by uh, President <laughs> President Trump had far too much uh, class to call him Creepy Joe, so he called him Sleepy Joe. Uh, Nancy, something Nancy. What did he call the boat? But I'm going to call her Hoods Pelosi because of her eye hoods. Because, you know, I always thought it was like a second eyebrow. Like, I thought this was her first eyebrow. And I thought this was the badly painted on gangster McDonald's arch that looks aghast. But it's actually the hood, the hood of her, like, the hood of her eyebrow Looks like a second eyelash. So her name is now Hoods Pelosi. That's what I'm calling for her. From now on, you will not be able to stop me from calling. You heard it here first on the C-Report. Okay, so state and local bailouts for Hoods Pelosi. The bailout provision within the American Rescue Plan proved especially unpopular among Republicans as eight out of ten states with the worst debt-to-equity ratios have Democrat governors. Go figure. I just don't like how they call them democratic governors because I know, word Nazi, they, we're all democratic, even though we're democratic Republican. But and that was the name of the party when it started in America. We were the Democratic Republicans. Hello. But, I mean, that's a given. Obviously, we live in a democracy that's a, a re Republican democracy. It's just most people forget the part that we're a Republican democracy or we're a republic. Uh, 
Anyways, okay, so I'm sorry, I'm getting off I'm getting off track here. The article said democratic governors. I'm like, but aren't all governors democratic? Okay. The plan gave states and the District of Columbia $195 billion in federal funding, while local governments, territories, and tribes received $155 billion. These funds have very few strings attached and may be used to pay down debt states have accumulated through spending unrelated to the pandemic. So there you go. There's no telling where this money is going to go. I'm sure here in the state of Texas, if a Texan asks, can you give me an audit of how the $155 billion or whatever share that Texas gets out of that spent itemized down the list? And that's really how I would like my taxes. When I get my tax return at the end of the year, I would like an itemized receipt of how my government spent my tax money. That's what I think I deserve at the end of the year for putting faith in my government and spending my money without even them asking. They're just going to remove it through an income tax or whatever taxes have you. But I'm telling you, when my tax returns, I deserve an itemized receipt audit of how you spent my money. I'm demanding it here now. Governor Abbott, can we get this up on the ballot, please? Anyways, okay. Vaccines and PPE. We're going to waste more money on washing your hands. $160 billion, or less than 10% of the entire package, uh, will go towards vaccine production and distribution and other healthcare related to COVID-19. Wash your hands. Don't fart on someone's pillow. You know, that kind of thing. Doesn't that make sense to invest $20 billion or $160 billion in total towards the pandemic for testing to protect gear to vaccine production and distribution is what President Joe Biden said at a White House debriefing. Because when they told him debrief, do I need to say that Joe Biden took off his underwear? What would you have me cut? Is all Joe Biden had to ask about that. Pension bailouts. The plan includes $86 billion in pension plans for 185 unions, including those representing truck drivers, builders, retail clerks, the New York Times, basically everyone that got hired to help rig the elections, you know, uh, staple and, and hammer uh, um, boards to windows, uh, browbeat Republican um, uh, poll watchers out, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, pull ballots out of briefcases, uh, take ballots, uh, reinsert ballots into copy, into ballot counting machines. These are the people that unions because the unions are the ones that the democrats hired and the the democrats hired the unions to run these polls uh these polling places and then the unions from there outsourced to all of their people and said hey represent or else okay that's what happened here and now we see in this covid covid19 bailout this is them paying back the unions for saying thank you for telling your union members that they had to work the polling stations and it was going to go this way or else you ain't going to get your union protection. You know, pay your dues or else. We're going to go to the polling stations and you're going to work for us, the unions, who are working for the Democrats. Do you understand what happened here? This union and Democrat or union and leftist union 
is actually how the election was successfully stolen. And I think even though the route that we're going now is going to be more beneficial for the greater good, because at least we're not going to rip the Band-Aid off all of the snowflakes who will not be able to handle all their heroes going to jail. As even I am having a hard time with some of my favorite artists because they are esteemed and elevated. They're not just your top 20s bullshit. Very heartbreaking. Now imagine how America would take it if they found out Beyonce was a, you know, Satan worshipping baby eater, maybe uh, the high witch of a coven. I don't know what the hell she does. All I know is she's in with the black hats or who knows, maybe she's a spy. There's always a chance for redemption. I've never known Beyonce to be in as a spy or a white hat or I'm just throwing it out there into the universe because I appreciate the quality of redemption. Moving forward, they're also going to be spending money on Amtrak. At the end of 2020, Amtrak was $1.6 billion in debt. So we're going to bail out Amtrak because Lord knows that the COVID-19 virus was so smart, it caught Amtrak and said, you are going to get the virus, Amtrak, and it's going to cost you $1.6 billion. And now Amtrak is sick with COVID-19 and we have to save it. So we're spending $1.7 billion dollars taxpayers to make sure that Amtrak survives the pestilence of COVID-19 because it is stricken, America. It is stricken. Oh, but don't forget that Biden is also known to ride his home train in Amtrak in Delaware. From Delaware to Washington, he would ride the Amtrak. And they need to spend the $1.7 billion because when Joe Biden goes into full frontal pitch fits of dementia, and Alzheimer's disease, he will need the Amtrak to transport himself. Because after all, when Jill Biden goes looking for Joe, at least she knows she can go find him on the Amtrak. Abortion! The American Rescue Plan, which is what this COVID relief bill is being called, I guess. It's touted as the American Rescue Plan. More like the bail us out because we look like bitches in front of all of our dealers, you know, uh, policies over here. This is them saying, look, America, we need to save our asses because we look like fools. Trump made us look like bitches. And now all of our pimps are like, ho, you owe us some money. That's why you're getting some money going to Amtrak. That's why you're getting some money going to pension bailouts, which is, you know, the unions and stuff like that. So now let's see what they're doing in abortions. At the end of 2020, Amtrak... Oh, wait. (laughs) My bad. We already talked about Amtrak. The American Rescue Plan did not include the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment is an amendment which prohibits the government from funding abortions. They excluded that. Biden supported the Hyde Amendment once upon a blue moon, but as most career politicians are prone to do, and that is how they remain politicians in career, is he flip-flopped. And he decided that, uh, you know what, Uh, maybe I'm not such a proponent of the Heidemann. I mean, come on, man. It's a woman's rights issue, man. And if it's a woman's rights issue, what right does the federal government have to say that a woman has to pay for her abortion? We should pay for it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you see, you opened that door Pandora's box. No, just kidding. But seriously, folks. 
there's no reason for Americans to fund abortion. Close your legs. Foreign food aid. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. It is good to pass it forward. After all, we're not the ones, the American taxpayers, I mean, who are uh, tying up and creating all this red tape and bureaucratic BS nonsense to create food shortages, to keep food from getting to people who need it. I mean, after all, it's like I always say, uh, there is no such thing as a food shortage. It's companies, businesses, corporations, and governments that are keeping food from getting to people. There's plenty of food, just as there's plenty of land around this world. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to fit the bill for the rest of the people. $800 million because we don't want to, uh, uh, our corporations don't want to lose the money and, and do it themselves because Lord knows they don't have a surplus at all. But $800 million of foreign food aid via the commodity. I guess I can feel good about myself because I am, you know, going to be giving $800 million of my taxpayer money to foreign food aid. A New Deal era agency regulates agricultural com uh, production. Okay. So Commodity Credit Corporation. The aid money must be spent by October 2022. So we have COVID going on here, but they're not going to spend this money in another country for another year and a half or so. Bali, I say, sounds gravy. I mean, um, what was the one thing that we learned from President Trump the most? Um, we learned that America has always been screwed by all of our allies and even the people that supposedly represent the people. We have always been uh, handed the short end of the stick. We didn't even pick it. We were handed it. No, we didn't even get handed the short end of the stick. We selected it ourselves. In fact, we said, you know what? Find the short end of the stick, get it to us, and then the rest of y'all pretend that you might find the short end of the stick. But it's okay, because America got a baby, but there's always the thrill of Russian roulette, right? That's what happened, and that's what we're seeing here. We are getting the short end stick of the deal. Joe Biden's making sure that it's happening. I guess, uh, America, it's time that you wake up. All right, so welcome back to the C Report. We are live on Twitch. Let me make sure we're running live on Spreaker again. Jesus Christ, we are. Okay, I hope you guys are having a good time with me here on the C Report. But um, let's see what else we got going in the news tonight. Okay, we already talked about Miss Ann Wagner. Okay, oh, we're still talking about COVID. I apologize. I apologize. You might have heard a commercial if you were on the podcast side of the show tonight. And if you weren't, you missed a whole hot gossip on the, the Twitch side. And uh, I guess you got to get over to Twitch if you want to hear what's going on over there. Okay, so let's go ahead and finish up here with what's coming into America with this $1.9 trillion dollar COVID relief bailout pig pork Pelosi hoods Pelosi package museums and cultures that have been closed this entire COVID season uh, are getting money they're getting 470 million dollars and that's going to go towards the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the Institute of Museum and Library Services. Former President Donald Trump tried on multiple occasions to slash funds for and even eliminate 
the National Endowment for the Arts, but was unsuccessful. Hmm, that sounds like something worth digging into. Now, what is up with the National Endowment for the Arts that Trump feels he needs to slash it? Is it maybe a Rockefeller-type organization? Is it maybe tied to George Soros? Are they maybe funding Black Lives Matter? Hmm, all speculation, but it's worth a look. We'll also be um, fitting the bill for environmental and health equity, whatever that means. It says the Environmental Protection Agency will will receive $100 million to address health outcome disparities from population and the COVID-19 pandemic. Half of the fund will be used to justify identify just to identify any existing disparities. So they're going to spend fifty million dollars just to try and identify existing disparities from pollution and the COVID nineteen pandemic. We've been indoors. There have been less cars on the ro- cars on the road. I mean, if anything, I would think our environment is doing better. Um, but I guess we need to research. Panel has not confirmed. Biden put equity concerns at the forefront of his 2020 presidential campaign climate perform. Of course he did. Language preservation. What language will we be preserving now, dear Democrats? The bill directs $20 million to ensure the survival and continuing vitality of Native American languages. Okay, this is a box I would probably check on the tax form if we were given the option to choose what agencies and projects we would fund on our taxes, which I think is something that we should do moving forward. Governor Abbott, can we get this moving forward? Okay, so uh, it says these funds will be allocated via grants to programs that offer native language immersion and restoration programs. I mean, and then really, as with any program that goes on with the government, and you know, like I said, it might be a program that I would check off in a box, but does that necessarily mean that it's a program that every American should pay for? No, because there's some Americans that don't care about the progress and the restoration of the Native American languages. I happen to be someone that would. But my due diligence here would be to ensure that wherever this money is going, whatever uh, organizations or foundations it's going to check off. So that's my part of the deal. Um, But they're offering that without us even asking, which is where I have to oppose. I'm sorry, Hoods Pelosi, but I do not want you to fund Native American language and ensure their survival and continuing vitality. Because you know what? You didn't ask. And you know what? You also put it in a bill that should have gone towards pandemic relief for the American people. And even though I know it's a sham and even though I know it's fake, and I'm not saying that the virus is fake because the virus is real. It's the hype around it that's fake. And it's the real world implementation of what oppression that they've put on the American people that's real. That's what's real. Okay, I get that. But that's not what you said you were spending the money on. Why do you need to spend $20 million on native language survival and continuity when this bill is called pandemic relief for the American people? That's what I want to know. Or could it be that maybe because some of the organizations and foundations that you worked with in the field of native American languages for survival and continuity happen to have funded your campaigns, or maybe they, they, they did something for uh, your laws to go the way they wanted to do, or maybe they normalized a trait that you wanted them to normalize. Maybe they promoted the dual spirit in the native American language 
language as a means to promote, uh, you know, uh, the the transsexual and the transgender in America amongst Native Americans. And now they're like, we're going to pay you $20 million for teaching your people to be dual spirits. I don't know. All I'm saying is this does not belong in the $1.9 trillion. In fact, this package does not even belong that high because, well, you know... It would be nice to have $1.9 trillion divvied up amongst all us Americans, but let's face it, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. President Trump would not even allow this to happen, and I would respect the man because he is only speaking common sense. If Daddy Trump says, I don't need $1.9 trillion, I get it, Daddy Trump. I know I don't need $1.9 trillion. It would be nice to have $1.9 trillion. And, and you know what? I would have to respect the fact that he is actually speaking truth and common sense. All right. So that's the story. That's the skinny. That's the dip on what's going on with this $1.9 trillion package. Expect your stimulus checks soon. All right. Now let's get on to the next story of the night. Democrat-led House passes pro-labor bill challenging right-to-work laws in 27 states. So now let me tell you again, what is this going on with the unions and the Democrats, the unions and the progressives and the liberals and the left-leaning people? What is this with the unions? I told you, just as Hood's Nancy smiles at you in this picture, I told you, the unions were used during the elections in the ballot counting centers. They hired their people and they were all Democrat run, led and operated. Now, the Democrats are passing a bill that is pro-labor and it challenges right to work. So let's see what's up. It says here from Just the News, the Democrat-led House on Tuesday passed a bill that attempts to strengthen unions, including their power to organize and hold votes. But the measure is expected to fail in the evenly divided Senate in which it would need 60 votes for passage. The measure is being considered the biggest attempt since the New Deal to expand labor rights in the U.S. and attempt to halt right to work laws in 27 states, according to the New York Times. Other provisions in the Protecting the Rights to Organize, or PRO Act, include giving organizations more control over how and where unionization votes are held, giving more power to the National Labor Relations Board to find companies that fail to comply with border orders from the board and granting organizations access to the contact information of workers who they then could reach outside working hours during um, unionization drives, according to the Associated Press. President Biden has pledged to be the most pro-union president you've ever seen and support the bill. Now, this is very interesting, too. Like I said, the unions were the ones that they controlled and they did all their dirty work on the ground. How did they channel all? I mean, all the money they would have gotten from the COVID relief bills, all the money that Trump denied them for, you know, for their city to bail out would have gone into those unions to hire more people, would have gone into the postal unions to get more post workers to steal ballots or to do their dirty work for payoffs. This was their system and their method. And the unions is is 
if you have if you have the if you have the the dye that the doctor injects into the bloodstream to see where the blood clots are this dye is going to lead you into the unions look we have dye leading into the unions we have dye leading into the federal reserve we have dye leading into crooked politicians we have dye leading into six mega corporations that control all the media and then the dye from there goes into all their subsidiaries and little channels like we're seeing where the money flows now it's very interesting because i i worked for a company actually all the companies when i was working for them were against union organization and they taught us and they briefed us because in management we had to know how to disperse unions when they were starting to organize within our walls we had to know how to recognize them we had to know how to find the literature we had to stop it in its tracks and we also had to educate our um, employees on uh, unionization and why it was bad for companies and for corporations you know but this here, I mean, I wonder how those businesses are going to deal with it now. I mean, I'm I'm sure Target is a, is a union now. They probably have the uh, the the they probably have the hard lines union, the soft lines union, the pretzel makers union, uh, all within the corporation of Target. And this is what Joe Biden wants. And you know, as I mean, as I was trained, whenever you have a union within a business, it it kills the business because then you can no longer work. Texas is a right to work state. So if we if if we if if I as an employee want to fire you, I don't have to tell you why. Too bad, so sad. And I'm not saying that that's a proper or ethical or humane thing to do. But Texas could just do it if they wanted to. So they also want to strip this right. And and, and that is um that is a good thing and a bad thing in and of itself. You know, like to get fired with no cause, yeah, you can fight it. Yeah, you can hire a lawyer. Yeah, you can do all that stuff and you have the right to do it. And you know what? You may win in your case too, but in Texas that is the law. They want to do away with some stuff like that. So anyways, and you know, I mean, uh, and I get that. What if you hired someone <laughs> And it took like what? It took like 50 forms and 20 signatures to get them fired. That's why we have right to work. Because the entire time that you're looking for those 50 forms and 20 signatures to get that person fired, they are working to bring your company down to a burning pulp. So right to work, I don't know. But this whole thing, unions, they used them to help them with the elections. This is how they do it. And now, again, they're going to use this bill to legalize all the activities that they did during the 2020 coup, just like HR1. Now we're seeing it again. Now on the union's end, we're going to expand our operations. We're going to tell you our entire playbook. Not only did we use all of the provisions in HR1 to rig and steal the election of 2020 from President Donald Trump and the American people, but we're also going to show you how we did it with unions. And now we're going to get these unions in. Man, they were right. Daniel, Don, Daniel, Daniel Trump. Sorry, my best friend's name is Daniel. Donald Trump and his cat's name is Don. Cheese, cheese. Anyways, okay. Anyways, that's besides the point. They were right. They were, Donald Trump, he was right. He stepped away from the picture and they fast-tracked everything so quick. They're like, we didn't get him with the amendments, I mean, with the impeachments. He's still able to run for office. We gotta fast-track everything that we can because it's the end of the world. We don't know what we're gonna do. Oh my God, Donald Trump's gonna get back in. And then you know what? He probably is gonna get back in. And you know what? At this point, I think there are enough woke Americans that, um... I don't know. Like, it's it's just... Yeah. 
it's 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 interesting documentation here at the Sea Report to tell you all of the failed plans of the Democrats and the liberals and the deep state and the globalist. It's it's just oh my goodness this in this entire documentation. Let the record reflect these morons tried, and at least there will be a record of it. But uh, yeah. Now they're they're moving forward with their pro. They're just making it easier for themselves to steal elections in the future. They got to make sure they can because, after all, we've got their number. All right, let's see what's coming up next. Oh, if it weren't the state of Illinois. All right, Illinois, you're on the map. I don't know. I mean, I really, I've never been to Illinois, so I really, I can't. I've never really been, I have never been to Illinois, so I really can't say much about it. I'm not the type of person that likes to judge a book by its cover, but I just don't get a fond vibe from the state of Illinois. So let's see what's going on over there. Five people are charged with voter fraud in Illinois. Gee... Should we have a section every night on the Sea Report now? It seems like we're going to have to have a section on the Sea Report. It's called Voter Fraud is Real on the Sea Report. Because here we have... what We just talked about some voter fraud last night. I'm sorry you couldn't hear it on Spreaker, but we did talk about voter fraud last night. And now we have another case of voter fraud. Okay, so at this count, and it might seem like a meager count to the uh, massive amount of people that voted for Donald Trump. But <coughs> we're probably about like up to what, 11 or 12 arrests for voter fraud since uh, January 20th. <laughs> maybe, maybe since the new year. We're up to about 12 arrests that we know of for voter fraud now. Um, voter fraud is real. Uh, yesterday we talked about administrative fraud, which I think... If we pay attention to the right people, we might learn that administrative fraud is actually a quicker way to take down the deep state. Like like me, I keep trying to count ballots. But if I just went back to where they signed the papers, I could probably find in the contract something that's more heady. Now, I can't really do that myself at this moment because I have to figure out where to go first. But what I'm trying to say is... Yesterday, we talked about administrative fraud for voting, which I think, again, if we're smart about it, that's where we're going to find a lot of the stuff that we can actually, it's actionable towards the deep state, where they're like, oh, crap, we actually have to address this. But here we have another case of voter fraud in Illinois. Let's see what it has to say about it. It says that five people are being accused of various election fraud-related cases during the November 3rd election. And this is according to DuPage County State's Attorney's Office in Illinois. The state's attorney office said the charges stem from investigations into 32 cases of alleged election fraud, adding that most of those cases have been closed without investigation. However, the office stressed that several remain under investigation, according to a news release on Tuesday. Those who were charged include Colleen A. Kershoff, 60, of Naperville, Thomas E. Wojciechowski, Wojciechowski, God, you people up in the Midwest, 73 years old, God, these were lifelong, 
well, I shouldn't judge. I would say these were lifelong Democrats. 73, 60. Carol Stream. Uh, Adam P. Butler, 51. Kickoff was, uh, Kirchhoff was charged with forgery and perjury after she allegedly attempted to cast a ballot for someone else. Officials said in a news release, Butler was charged with a count of forgery and one count of perjury in election code, while Wojciechowski was charged with one count of perjury in election code, officials said. Two others, Derek Kent, 43, and Amy Kent of Austin, Texas were charged with one count of perjury in the election code. I would like to thank County Clerk Jean McCasmerick uh, and her office for their fine work in uncovering these alleged violations and bringing them to our attention, DuPage County State's Attorney Robert Berlin said in the release. The charges filed today are the direct result of the cooperation and professionalism displayed by the clerk's office throughout the entire investigation. His office did provide uh, his office did pro- not provide any more details about the charges or the investigation. The very foundation of our country is built upon fair and free elections, Berlin added. Elections are a sacred duty, and while the five dependent defendants charged today represent an infinite small percentage of the 491,067 votes cast in the 2020 general election, it is important that anyone suspected of attempting to interfere in any way in the election process be investigated and charged where appropriate. A judge on Tuesday signed arrest warrants for the five suspects, and each person's bail was set for $1,000, reported WBBM. Last week, the mayor pro tem of Northern California City resigned from office after pleading guilty to election fraud charges. This is what I was just talking about, y'all. Crescent City Mayor pro tem Alex Campbell entered the plea to making a false declaration of candidacy, candidacy, in North Del Norte County Superior Court, local news outlet Wild Rivers Outpost reported, citing city clerk's office. And then separately, in Aberdeen, Mississippi, a judge ordered a new runoff election for a city alderman seat after more than three quarters of absentee ballots cast in the June 2020 Democrat runoff election were found to be invalid while a notary involved in the election was arrested. Never say election fraud does not exist because we will rub it in your face at the C report. Let's see what's next on the news. Ah, if it isn't the state of Arkansas. Oh, what's that? You can hardly see it. There. Now let's talk about Arkansas. What's going on in Arkansas? Well, it appears that the governor of Arkansas may have won up the governor of Texas but definitely not the governor of uh, Mississippi. No, just kidding. Um, The governor of Arkansas, his name is Asa Hutchinson. He signed a bill that banned most abortions. So go for you, Governor Asa Hutchinson. Arkansas Governor Acha Hutchinson, pictured here, boop, signed a bill into law Tuesday that will ban most abortions in the state except those to save the life of the mother. 
Hutchison signed SB6, the Arkansas Unborn Child Protection Act, stating the measure is a pro-life bill that prohibits abortion in all cases except to save the life of the mother in a medical emergency. It does not include exceptions for rape and incest, the governor said, adding his reservations about the legislation. I will sign SB6 because of overwhelming legislative support and my sincere and long-held pro-life convictions. SB6 is in contradiction of binding precedents of the U.S. Supreme Court, but it is the intent of, the legislation, of this legislation to set the stage for the Supreme Court overturning current case law. I would have preferred the legislation to include the exemptions for rape and incest, which has been my consistent view, and such exceptions would increase the chances for a review by the Supreme Court. Planned Parenthood Great, Plan Great Plains tweeted a response... Uh, in response, the new law goes against the United States Supreme Court and has repeatedly upheld, uh, has been repeatedly upheld. Every person has constitutionally protected right to access abortion care, including from trusted medical providers here in Arkansas. Now, here's the thing I just don't get. I guess it's the whole payment thing, right? I guess it's because poor people, and I'm poor guys, so... I'm a lay person. Don't, 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 don't look at me like I'm a one percenter or even, you know, a two percenter or even a 10 percenter when I'm telling you this. But is it because poor people can't close their legs that we have to pay for their abortions? Really? Like, is it because poor people can't afford condoms? Is that what it is? Poor people can't afford a plan B option. Poor people can't afford diaphragms. Poor people can't afford uh, what spermicidal lubricant. Really? So we have to pay for them? Yeah. It's our right. No, I mean, no, no. We need to have, we need to have, that's why I'm gay. We need to have self-control, okay? <laughs> It's not our right to have an abortion. And, and I can't even create a baby. So that's not even fair that you get to take away life. Screw you, women. Anyways, I don't care. All right, we're not PC here. All right. Ar I'm sorry, this just made me mad at women. Okay, so <laughs> this just made me mad at women. Let's look at a tweet that uh, Planned Parenthood of Arkansas said. <laughs> I'm sorry, this article is making me mad at women. Okay, today's decision by Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson to sign SB6 into law goes against what the United States Supreme Court has repeatedly upheld. Every person has a constitutionally protected right to access abortion care, including from trusted medical providers here in Arkansas. Okay, I just read a quote that pissed me off and uh, pissed me off again. Okay, so anyways, okay. Arkansas Senator Jason Rapper, not pictured here, that is the governor pictured here, um, responded that um, to a tweet by the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, that said we're suing. So, uh, in, in, so the ACU, ACLU says they're suing the state of Arkansas. And um, Jason Rapper says, isn't it chilling when states stand up to save lives, these bloodthirsty groups declare they are suing to ensure that killing through abortions continues. I cannot trust any group that devalues human lives like the ACLU. And that's exactly how I feel, Rappert. 
Anyways, Rappert thanked Hutchinson for standing with the Arkansas legislature and the people of the state against abortion, for which he said is a crime against humanity, which I agree with. You know, I mean, there are circumstances, but I do agree with that. Arkansas is one of more than a dozen states that have introduced legislation that, through challenges by stakeholders in the abortion industry, could lead to a review of Roe versus Wade at the Supreme Court. And that's really all that they've been afraid of this entire time. That's why they were so afraid of Kavanaugh. That's why they were so afraid of of um, of that woman. Um <laughs> It's so bad that I can't even remember her name. Uh, Barrett Comey. Comey, Comey. (laughs) Corny? (laughs) Anyways, you know who I'm talking about. ABC lady. ACB. About ACB. You know, like... Uh, uh, they were so afraid that they were going to turn over Roe versus Wade. Uh, it's ridiculous anyways, but these people, they're all ridiculous when you get down to it. All right. We be talking about Kentucky and Arkansas. No, we were talking about Kentucky and Tennessee now, but we all about, we all about the Confederate States of the Union tonight on the sea report. All right. Let's see what's going on in the Kentucky and the Tennessee region of the United States of America. And just so you know, because we appreciate uh, the aggregate out there in the United States, we appreciate the aggregate here. I mean, that's what this is all about. Like we present news from the aggregate and we present some analysis on some of the things that you see out there. And, you know, maybe someday we'll make fun of those people that we see out there in the aggregate. But, I mean, that's what this is all about. I mean, uh, the press is freedom of speech. So I do appreciate the... uh, uh, the uh, agencies that we receive some of our articles from, the Epic Times, Breitbart, Tory Says, um, Adjust the News, uh, that's just to name some of them. Sometimes we read articles at the Federalist here, but not often, you know. Um, I like the intel that the right scoop offers, but I just don't dig the style of writing that they offer there. Um, but anyways, that's besides the point. I just wanted to say a thanks to uh, the people in the aggregate that the C-Report um, um, harvests our news from. Um, I, I just, those are some of the places that I go to, to read. Uh, I do go to other places. The New York Post has, uh, some interesting articles, you know, but you also have to be, you also have to be very careful about where you're reading and who you're reading because sometimes they slip in that little tricky, tricky, but you know, even then at the same point, sometimes reading some of the adversaries articles per se can give you some intel on the way that they think or some of the operations that they're planning to do. Because if there's one thing that we have learned in the past four years about the operators of the deep state and the globalists is that they love to telegraph their moves. They love to tell you what they're going to do. They love to put it out there because they think the people are too stupid to find the article in the newspaper or the magazine or the podcast or the TV show that tells you their plans. They think we're too dumb to read between the lines, but we read between the lines very well. And so we can curate these news articles just the same here at the Sea Report and Q&A Holes podcast. And I also thank our audience for trusting us with the news, even though some of my opinions can sometimes be a bit crass um, or a bit forceful. But we do appreciate that you do trust us with bringing you stories on all of our programs and some of our opinions. But all right, let's talk about Kentucky and Tennessee now. We have five arrested in Kentucky and Tennessee after ICE human trafficking operations. And this one comes from the Epic Times. A human trafficking operation carried out by Immigrations and Customs Enforcements, ICE Homeland Security Investigations, netted five arrests in Kentucky and Tennessee, officials said on Tuesday. 
in the sting, Lewis R. Harris, 52 of Memphis, Tennessee, was charged with two counts of trafficking for a commercial sex act and two counts of contributing to the delinquency of a minor, I said. Others who were arrested uh, include Kevin L. Jackson, 31 of Padqua, Kentucky, who was charged with two counts of trafficking for commercial sex act, Abraham M. La Bistada, 28, of Murray, Kentucky, who was charged with two counts of trafficking for commercial sex act, Shannon L. Palmer, 44, of Union City, Tennessee, was charged with two counts of trafficking for commercial sex act, and Eddie R. Robbins, 54, of Paris, Tennessee, was charged with two counts of trafficking for commercial sex acts, along with other charges, according to the agency in a news release. The five were booked to the Obion County Jail in Union City, Tennessee, and a $10,000 bond was set for each official said. The nature of the operation was not disclosed in the ICE news release. Human traffickers used diverse forms of force, fraud, and coercion to control and exploit their victims, said ICE Homeland Security Investigations Nashville Special Agent in Charge, Jerry C. Template Jr., in a statement. He added that early recognition of human trafficking can help save lives, victims' lives. Our agents work with local, state, and federal law enforcement partners to aggressively investigate human trafficking cases, assist the victims, and arrest the perpetrators. As a result of our efforts, human trafficking arrests for HSI Nashville, which covers the entire state of Tennessee and Kentucky, increased approximately 23% for fiscal year 2020 from the previous year, said Template. I'm going to take a quick cut right there and just say uh, I talked about a story a couple of nights ago that happened in Polk County, Florida, in regards. Uh, it was a uh, um, uh, Sheriff J.D., Sheriff Grady. Damn it, I can't remember his name. He had such a peculiar name. Uh, Sheriff Grady, we'll call him that for now. But uh, his name was Grady something. But um, in Polk County, uh, one of the things I found most notable about that press conference that the sheriff held in regards to their uh, human trafficking busts um, was that when the task force is in the field and they're doing the raids and, you know, and, and they're they're arresting the uh, they're arresting the uh, the traffickers and they're liberating the victims is that they actually also have on site with them counselors. So right there, right when it's happening, right when, the, and, and you know, that's the thing, because if you're in that situation, you got law enforcement coming, coming in and you never know, these people who are being trafficked might think that they're going to be put in jail. I mean, there's a chance that the traffickers have said, hey, if we get busted for what we're making you do, you're going to jail too. You're going to be put in prison. You're also going to suffer because they will use all types of mental manipulation and, and threat and duress manipulation on these people. So maybe law enforcement would be a bad thing for these victims in their perspective based on what they've been told. Well, with these counselors in the field, they get direct intervention. They get direct counseling and help. And that was one thing that I found very admirable and notable about Sheriff Polk's operation I and mean, Sheriff Grady's operation in Polk County, Florida, is that, that that is an operation that he noted himself that not many uh, not many, not many organizations or, or um, you know, law enforcement agencies will utilize counselors 
at the same time, adjacent to the operations of apprehending the traffickers, counselors in order to relieve the victims on spot. Because if you take too long or if, say, the victim gets put into the system or in the jail cell, they may just become another victim of, you know, of the law enforcement system and never really get help. They'll end up back into it. Maybe they'll end up back with the people that put them there in the first place. I... I had a friend who was trafficked and he was arrested twice. And because he never told on them, the people who were trafficking him, he, he, he was spared a lot of grief from these people, but he was also moved up in their ranks before he finally was able to liberate himself from that situation. You know, so that's just what I'm saying. You, uh, there's so many things that go into this. And, and even with people who have addiction problems, because a lot of this People, people tend to turn a cold shoulder to individuals who use certain types of substances or any substances at all. And that's their prerogative and it's fine. But you never know. With these instances, as with my friend, it was in fact drugs that got this person stuck in the trafficking situation. And so these drugs are literally put out there as bait for these people. So I can't just turn a cold shoulder on some of these individuals. For all we know... Illegitimate Joe gave his son, Hunter Biden, his first smoke of crack cocaine so he could get him hooked on the system. We don't know. All we know is that that in itself is something that happens and it's used. And these uh, traffickers, they're they're ruthless in using these individuals. So uh, uh, cheers to Polk County in Florida. That's the whole point of this introduction is the article. Let's get back to the article. Many people don't realize this, but hundreds of children go missing in our state every month. Tennessee Bureau of Investigations Director David Rausch said in a statement. From runaways that may leave their home out of desperation or despair, to those entangled in custody battle, to those who are sucked in by drugs and get addicted. Some people get addicted without knowing. I could tell you guys some stories. Anyways, every single one of them deserves a fighting chance, and that's why they also deserve our best work to help them. According to the agency, most of the 150 children recovered will receive services from the Tennessee Department of Children's Services, which might mean they are placed in foster homes or groups or group homes or get other types of care. And that's another thing to be that's another thing to be um, wary of. We had an article that I was not able to share on the report the other night that had to do with the state of Iowa and how the state of Iowa is trending towards moving away from foster care agencies and that type. Um, but uh, we see that's going to be that's going to be a response here in the Kentucky Tennessee region. We can only hope that the CPS agencies down in that area are also um, not, you know, child trafficking type of people. So anyways, and most of these agencies don't start off with that intent, but it does attract individuals that do those types of things. So yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Okay, let's go on to our next story. And then next up in the news, we got the state of Nevada. What's going on in my favorite vacation state of Nevada? Your favorite vacation state? Yeah, I could, you know, spend a week or two in Vegas anytime. All right. Nevada Democrat Party staff quits after socialists take the leadership. So the socialists have taken over in the state of Nevada. And all the Democrats have quit. This sounds like an interesting article. Let's see what it has to say. Gary Dew reports, all the staff of Nevada Democrat Party quit after Democrat Socialists candidates 
took over leadership positions. On Saturday, Judith Whitmer, who was elected chairwoman, pictured here. She looked kind of creepy to me, actually. Um, hold on. She's a ginger. She looks like she has no soul. I don't know. She looks creepy. She looks creepy to me. I don't know. Anyways, look. Mr. Y would probably say she's hot. I probably shouldn't talk about Mr. Y when she's not here. He's not here. But look, she looks creepy. Anyways, okay, there's something weird about her, this woman. There's something creepy about this woman. Anyways, it says, uh, on Saturday, Judith Whitmer, who was elected chairwoman of the Nevada Democrat Party, received an email from Alana Mounts, the party's executive director, announcing that she would be leading her position. Mounts first congratulated Whitmer and then said she was quitting along with every other employee and consultant or trade who would be taking their severance packages with them, according to a report from The Intercept. Judith Whitmer, the former Clark County Democrat Party chair and Clark County Left Caucus chair, ran on the Democrat Socialist of America slate. Her DSA coalition won two vice chairs and the party secretary and treasurer. Regarding the mass exodus of party staff, Whitmer told The Intercept, we weren't really surprised in the fact that we were prepared for it, but that's what hit us by surprise and was sort of shocking is that for a slate that cha- that claimed that they were all about unity and kept this false narrative of division going on throughout the entire campaign, in fact, they kept intensifying that. That's what, what was surprising about it. It was the unwillingness to just walk away instead of working with us. Former Clark County Democrat Chair Donna West, Whitmer's predecessor, who resigned last summer, said Whitmer didn't try to bridge gaps within the party. She does not listen to others' opinions and really takes those on board. I found that working with her could be really difficult and that she doesn't really collaborate well and doesn't work to build consensus, West said. The Nevada Democrat Party didn't immediately respond to our request for comments. In the past few years, DSA leading, uh, DSA leading Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign invested in Nevada to motivate young Latino voters, helping him win the Nevada caucus in the 2020 election. Oh, you Latinos, you make us look so bad. After Sanders' campaign closed, his supporters didn't stop. Instead, they utilized the momentum to push forward, winning a majority on the state's Democrat board in the summer of 2020. The Intercept said... It's a battle between the insurgent progressive wing of the party and what's known in Nevada as the Reed Machine, a tightly run operation still guided by former Senate Majority Leader Henry Reed. In the 2016 election, Sanders organized his own supporters while Reed was working for Hillary Clinton, Sanders opponent. Hillary Clinton, Sanders opponent and winner of the primary. All right, so the socialists have taken over Nevada. I guess we'll see what Vegas looks like in a little bit. We'll probably have legalized prostitution there soon in Nevada. All right. Okay, guys, we are up for our last story tonight on the Sea Report. The Sea Report's last story tonight has a little bit to do with some international policies. It has a little bit to do with some of uh, President Select, illegitimate Joe's appointees in his cabinet. All right, let's see what we got here. This one comes from the National Pulse. Biden's Asia czar was guest of honor at the Chinese Communist Party's 
Confucius Institute Propaganda Conference. Now, if any of you guys remember anything about the Confucius Institute, we remember that President Trump was having Confucius Institute programs shut down in America because they had them in college campuses all around our country and they were doing their dirty deeds for the Communist Party from within. And we were none the wiser until President Trump shined a light on it. All right, who the hell is Kurt Campbell? This is Kurt Campbell. He looks like former military closet case, uh, closet gay here. Yeah, Bruce Campbell. Or Bruce Campbell, my bad. Bruce Campbell's uh, the guy that uh, Jim Carrey copied all of his finer acting points from. But uh, this, uh, like I said, article comes from the National Pulse. Kurt Campbell, President Biden's Asia czar, delivered a keynote at a conference sponsored by Chinese Communist Party-funded Confucius Institutes. Campbell, who serves as the coordinator for the Indo-Pacific at the National Security Council, leading President Biden's relationship with China, spoke at the 2011 National Chinese Language Conference. The event's archived websites revealed two sponsors, Confucius Institute Headquarters and Yale University Press. Confucius Institutes, which are hosted at American universities, have been described by Chinese government officials as an important part of Chinese overseas propaganda setup. The well-funded controversial operations disguise themselves as language and culture initiatives despite being replete with undisclosed ties to Chinese institutions and conflicted loyalties, Chinese state propaganda and intellectual property theft, according to the Federal Bureau of Investigations and United States Department of Justice. The Chinese government entity also served as an exhibitor at the event and counted its director, general, and senior consultant among speakers. The NCLC also featured panels on how American institutes could set up a Confucius Institute and Confucius classrooms the elementary school complement to the university level program. So China wants to teach our children in American public schools. And I bet underneath president select illegitimate Joe Biden, that could happen. A transcript of Campbell's speech reveals him praising other Chinese communist party officials in attendance as dear friends and wonderful men. It says, I do not want to ask two wonderful friends to stand up just to take a very quick bow in front of all of you. Brown nosing much. When you think of the United States-China relationship, I want you to recognize the incredible role that the Chinese ambassador of the United States and vice foreign minister in Beijing, the role they play in helping bridge the critical issues between our two countries. I'd like, if I could, to have Ambassador Zhang Stand up and my very good friend, Vince Foreign Minister, Vice Foreign Minister, Kui Tian Kai. I would try to not embarrass them, but they are wonderful men. They are good friends. Ultimately, relations between nations are good, are about good relations between people. So then I would call them both my dear friends. And I have treasured the opportunities to work with both of them. Labeled the guest of honor... At the event, Campbell spoke at the opening ceremony along with then-Vice Premier Louis Yongdong, 
who headed the country's United Front Work Department, which, according to the United States China Security and Economic Review Commission, aims to co-opt and neutralize sources of potential opposition to the policies and authority of its ruling Chinese Communist Party and influence overseas Chinese communities, foreign governments, and other actors to take actions or adopt positions supportive of Beijing's preferred policies. Louis's speech praised the expansion of Confucius Institutes into American classrooms. At this point, 98 countries and regions have set up Confucius Institutes and Confucius classrooms comprising, comprising a total of around 400,000 students. In the United States, more than 1,000 universities have set up Chinese language departments. More than 4,000 primary and secondary schools offer Chinese courses, and increasingly more states arrange Confucius classrooms within primary and secondary schools. The unearthed speech follows the Biden House, uh, White House reversing a Trump-era policy that would have forced universities to disclose funds received from the Chinese Communist Party through Confucius Institutes. Campbell also served as vice chairman of the U.S.-China Strong Foundation, a group pushing for closer academic ties between the United States that has similarly collaborated with Confucius Institutes and state-run Bank of China. Even someone in Biden's family works with the Bank of China for crying out loud like you people out there don't seem to care. And I am not talking about the one sole viewer who is watching the C-Report. Of course, I am talking about the individuals out there that follow the legacy media, corporate news media, the media that is controlled by six, count them six, and that's all media in total. Even I am controlled because they could ban me if they wanted to. Because Twitch is owned by, like, what, Amazon or something like that. Like, so they could ban the Q&A holes. They could ban the C-Report. And even though they don't own me, because I'm not just one of their many toys, essentially they could shut me down if they wanted. They shut down the Q&A holes podcast several times. We're just too tenacious. We keep coming back. We're like, you know, really bad case of bed bugs. Anyways, all right, guys. I hope you had a really good time on the C Report tonight. I know I did presenting some of the news. We did a little bit of a long haul. I'm sorry. I will try and get yesterday's episode back up on the podcast system. Like I said, I don't know why it didn't record, but I'm not going to offer you any excuses. You'll love to heal the spiel on Ronna McDaniel because I personally don't believe that she's good for the Republican Party. And I personally don't believe that President Trump should endorse her but he hasn't maybe he just needs to let that Mitt Romney rat Rona McDaniel show her true colors and that's why he has continued to endorse her maybe he needs to see how she's going to spend some of the money that's going to go into some of these places that he is now saying they cannot use his likeness we never know but we shall see in the end go check it out it's yesterday's report on the sea report here on cuny hills podcast but in the meantime in between time we will be back again tomorrow night on twitch with the mr c and magadon show stay tuned to see what's coming on there and the sea report will be live again with more news for you q a holes podcast news break with joe 102 is Monday through Friday, stay tuned. Get on Spreaker with us. Join us on Spreaker. Or you know what? Just subscribe to Q&A Hall's podcast on any of your favorite podcast players. Because if you do that, you are guaranteed to hear any of the programs that we drop. And we have more dropping coming up. So subscribe today. Join us on Q&A Hall's podcast. 
hit up the sea report hit me up hey write me sometime tell me what you love about me tell me what you hate about me tell me what you want to hear is there a story you'd like me to follow up on let me know and we will try and tackle it here on the sea report all right guys i'm out of here i'm tired it's hot let's go we'll be back tomorrow have a good night be good ta-ta <laughs> Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval, but will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Cassidis, author of The Distance to the End. A Trick of the Eyes, a stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get A Trick of the Eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores, ask for it by name. A Trick of the Eyes by Michael Aaron Casares. <laughs>